This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. So, this week's pod is news. We are just going to launch straight into what we're watching because it is a stacked uh, segment, starting with the Winchesters. We've got yet another plot in which Lada and Carlos are separate, and Mary and John are doing their own thing. To to remind y'all, John is being accused of murder, a murder he did not commit, and Mary is going a little feral over the idea that he's going to be sent to prison, which is understandable, but I don't know about a prison break. But what did you guys think of the episode? When you list everything like that, it really sounds like it could have been great. On paper, it sounds great. But I feel a little divided over this episode and I am sensing that will be the tone going forward um, because of the way the split between uh, the two storylines. And it felt like the Carlos and Lata one had more stakes, even though, well, I mean, life or death situations do have more stakes, but it was the subplot of the episode. And I kind of feel like John and Mary's storyline should have had a little bit more oomph. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, you're correct. There wasn't a ton of like connection between the two. I mean, like you said, it was divided. Um, and while watching, I couldn't decide which one I was more invested in or if I was invested in both or neither. I, I couldn't decide because there were parts of each one that I really enjoyed watching. And then there were others that I was like, it, it feels too disconnected mm-hmm. to really grab on to much. But um, I will say, I, I think I liked Lata getting vulnerable and really like going there. There was so much more into it though it was so complex that again I don't know how I feel (laughs) I feel like we started on the track of being uh, basically towards the same plot because the whole thing with Carlos and Lada started from trying to find a way to prove John's innocence but then by the time they get into that kitchen area and they find the bracelet we've spiraled completely away from what's happening with John Mary Betty um and what is Bianca's name on the show? Millie. <laughs> Millie. Millie, thank you. <laughs> um, and Millie. So it just felt like we were we like two different temperatures. Like it was very exploratory and character development over in Carlos and Lada's plot. And then with John and Mary, it felt like we were waiting for the action to start. And it did towards the end. Um, not to say that John's scenes in the invest in the interrogation room weren't great because they were we did learn some things about him like he's a pow we also learned some things about dean um which if everyone was like is he from an alternate earth they confirmed yes he is so four weeks later (laughs) (laughs) we got there in the end (laughs) i i think um as much as i do love the show they kind of um let things breathe a little too long for a 13 mm-hmm. episode season i feel like in retrospect i would have liked seeing that lot of storyline happen earlier mm-hmm. and then seeing how that brings her and carlos closer together or maybe it it takes some time but this is episode 11 of 13 and we're just getting to know lata on a deeper level i don't know i feel like i would have enjoyed seeing that i mean i Maybe, I don't know, I'm going to contradict myself. <laughs> Maybe we needed time to like get to know her for that for that admission to hold weight. But I don't know, I would have liked it to happen earlier because we had so much of that for John and Mary early on. 
that we really didn't get any of this from Lanta until now. Um, there's something else I was going to say. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that because I kind of feel like of all the show, we're, we're all shorter seasons here. We all love our short seasons, especially on this network because they're more concise or whatever. Um, but we knew Wendy would benefit from a 13 episode season because it looks like prestige TV. The Flash at Riverdale need tightened up so they would benefit from shorter seasons. I think the Winchesters is one that actually could have benefited from a longer season because it has that old supernatural Buffy quality of those like 22 episode seasons that really would have it worked with the monster of the week, but it's trying to do monster of the week, storyline of the week, plot of the week, villain of the week, as well as tell an overall arc in just 13 episodes. And it's not got the balance right. And the reason I think this episode didn't work is kind of a different reason. I didn't think the previous ones did is that both of them have real stakes. Both of them are really important stories. And I feel like both of them should have been the center plots of their own episodes Whereas we were trying to juggle the two between them. I did appreciate what they did at the start and the end to try to tie these storylines together. But they were so different, but yet so strong and overpowering that I feel like the Lata and Carlos one kind of upended the John one, as it should have. Like I said, life or death sticks. But pairing the two of them together didn't work because they were so disconnected and so powerful in their own sense. I think they worked against each other instead of working with each other, which is what a subplot was exactly. I agree because the the lot of plot I believe was seeded pre winter hiatus because uh, she, she gets that phone call. She yeah, that was like episode two when she made <laughs> calls, right? I don't know. They were in like that music festival wilderness, I thought, and we found out something about her parents. It was really early on, yeah. I feel like. Okay, because I, I thought it was a little later, not not too much past that episode because she needed something and then she's talking to someone on I the mean, phone. We know I don't have the greatest memory when it comes to TV, so you're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, though, she, like, that was, see, I forgot about it until they brought it back in to to this plot with her and Carlos. And this this um, storyline for her also felt like what we had done for the mid-season premiere with Carlos, where we had expanded on something um, tragic um, that helped further their their characters. And it's not that I didn't appreciate it, it just felt like it needed to be in its own episode. Because uh, once again, the John and Mary stuff got undercut by it when really it deserved to, both plots deserved to breathe. Uh, I will say, though, that I felt like the I really loved how we were stuck in that very cold chamber. And that was a means of bringing tension into the plot besides just saying, oh, we're going to die. Like, no, you literally could freeze to death in this chamber. Like, Lata, we need to get the story on out of you so we can get out of this uh, shadow realm or wherever they have been trapped by the bracelet. Uh and I like that we got to meet the cousin, Mary's, Meg's cousin, not Meg's cousin, mm. Mary's cousin. I'm going to get character names. I truly am. It's good. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying actor names. I like that too, because that was one of the long running arcs. And we finally got some kind of like development on it. And it was interesting that they used Lata to kind of bring that forward rather than Mary. Because um, you know how important that her cousin was to her. Um I did, I did really like that. And that's the thing. I really like the Carlos Atlanta story. But if you'll notice, like most of the commercial break segments took place with those cliffhangers. And that kind of highlighted how important that storyline was. And again, as a result, it felt like we had just pressed pause on the John John storyline, the Akrita storyline, the Mary storyline, because it was all about her breaking him out. So we spent an awful long time in the same place. And 
that didn't really go with how intense the Carlos and Lado one is. I feel like I will move on from this point, but I'm kind of still stung, hung up on the fact that both of these episodes deserve the chance to, both of these storylines deserve the chance to breathe. And this episode never really allowed either one of them to do it because they were just struggling and juggling screen time between the two of them. Speaking of struggling, can you guys explain to me what's going on with Dean? I feel like it is so subtle. Just the picture keeps being shown on screen and I'm like, but what? (laughs) (laughs) I can't Mm. connect the dots. I I feel like they're stringing me along. I'm like, I want to know what's happening. Mm. Maybe it's too early to say. I shouldn't be saying that 13 or what, 11 episodes in of a 13 episode season. But I feel like they're setting up that he may be from another earth, from another parallel dimension, because we we learned that we learned the supernatural introduced a multiversal concept at some point that was way beyond my years when I stopped watching it. And uh, we think that he maybe is, is he from that universe? Is he from the future? Is he like dead and he's gone back in time we don't know but the fact is the winchesters have started telling some alternate stories and telling things slightly differently from how that storyline was supposed to have played out in supernatural i think there are certain like differences with the way holy water worked on vampires things that didn't apply in supernatural so this is played with the the lore a little bit and that's led fans to believe that it might be set in an alternate world so is the dean that's showing up from the main supernatural world has he now crossed over into this world to make sure that his parents meet in the same way it's very confusing and I feel like we'll maybe just start getting crumbs of it when the finale rolls around and I'm not sure that's enough. So just to clarify, there are no definitive answers. I didn't miss anything. No, no, we're not supposed to know yet. <laughs> it's it's an ongoing story. <laughs> so yeah. they don't know either who he is. No, he's like, all I know is because of that, Akrita, um, was that he's from an alternate earth. That's the only thing that slipped through. But and all we know is that he keeps getting photographed around town. So he's not being careful. Don't mm-hmm. know what he's doing, but like we're just on street corners. We're breaking into fences. It's just, he's doing I whatever like that he needs tracks to do. with what I know about Dean. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like if they're all from the same break in or whatever it was, just all shot from different angles that we were like, when Tom Welling discovered it, it was such a big deal. But now we kind of find out like everybody's got photographs of him. Yeah, I thought it was just that one picture. And now we have like a photo album. Yeah, like yeah. did he not realize it was like 10 people photographing him from the distance? Because they all got him from different angles. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but like, I don't know where they're going with this. It was it was a really, really, really interesting introduction and a huge cliffhanger when it came. But now they're kind of like teasing it, teasing us with it under the surface so much so that, interest yeah, yeah yeah so much so that we got that really on the nose reminder at the end just it. to remind us it's just it's it's a no i, I just <laughs> really want him to like not be in a photograph and just appear and give us <laughs> yeah, some like exposition we need to get there i mean the penultimate episode is coming so perhaps it'll be in the penultimate episode but when we do that review if it's not you know it's just gonna end up being a drag because why wait until the finale um but to moving away from dean for a moment how did we feel about betty and how much betty had to do in this episode not a fan Mm -hmm. but i think we're not supposed to like Mm -hmm. So she played her I part. Guess it was successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she kind of played her part, and that was that. It was a bit of an obvious arc. You saw it coming, but she wasn't the most. It was interesting that she wasn't the most trustworthy about it. Millie was slightly wrong at the start, and they had to convince her that she saw those swirly green lines, and then she knew evil was everywhere by the numbers, but we got there in the end. <laughs> we did. I just, I was surprised when she had said that she and, um, 
Kevin had is his name Kevin. I'm not, gonna get, I'm not gonna get oh Kyle. the dead one. Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> not, today's not my day for names. It's just gonna be a struggle yeah. getting a review. But Kyle, she'd been working with Kyle for weeks, and I was like, oh, it happened weeks. It felt like y'all had one conversation at the table. It had maybe been about two days, and I just we I feel like we needed to have seated that better, seeing mm. them working around town more. Um, I mean, I'm glad that she was like Team John, but the way that she was like, we'll just work it through the system. And I was like, what part of this looks like he's going to be able to be a murder rap girl that he was at yeah. the scene. He had the blood <laughs> on him. <laughs> I was cheering for Mary when they were scrapping in that alley. Where I don't know where they were, but yeah. when Betty pulled that gun on her, Mary was like, not on my watch, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I expected better from Betty. I know we don't really know her that much, but you see when she first turned up and she was like, he'll have his day in court. I was like, really? Are we really going to start talking about your longtime love like he's just anyone else without even asking him what happened? Why are you evading the law? Did you do it? Again, by the numbers, we got there in the end, but like... I would have liked a little bit more humanity from her at the start rather than just being the good cop that didn't ask any questions. Yeah, I guess also it's pretty obvious we needed somebody on the inside. And mm-hmm. rather than just like letting that happen naturally, we we're just like, we're going to make her an antagonist. And yeah. then we're going <laughs> to make her a friend to the rest of the group. And it's like, yeah, okay. But we're on this rollicking ride. I really don't think there's anything else to say about the Winchesters because the plot is not plotting the way we <laughs> wanted it to. And so we're going to go into the penultimate episode still on the fence about the Akrita and on the fence about the direction the show is going on. It's just, you know, season one is it, it was what it was. Maybe it'll end really nicely. Yeah. We're still ready for it. Love mm-hmm. them. Yes. They're amazing. I, I would want another season just to see them grow. Yeah. And be able to see this show flourish. The plot may not be plotting, but the Drake is draking. So. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I just, that's why heading into The Flash, it's just like yet another, another CW show that's struggling. Uh, and I'm ready. Spill <laughs> all of the tea. Uh, so for me, it was a better episode than episode two. Um, I think it had more concrete points that you could like sink your teeth into. But I also was like, Hartley and the Rogues could have been an, an amazing episode because it's a heist episode. And yet it wasn't. And Hartley's acting really weird. I remember, Michael, I saw your tweet. You were, you were like, why are you why are you doing this to Hartley? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I started this episode so happy. I really enjoyed this episode. And on paper, it should have worked because I believe the War of Rogues is kind of like a, a tribute to the, the one of the Flash storylines of the, the War of the Rogues. And it's basically where two teams, the new Rogues versus the old Rogues. It should have worked. But I mean, like, I'm sorry, they could have gotten so many better Rogue lineup than some of the ones we saw, like Goldfest, The Hotness. Um, chill then uh, Pied Piper was fine but the other ones not so much and then like you said Hartley started acting really bizarrely and it would have been fine if we hadn't seen him for like six years he was literally in the episode beforehand learned his lesson reminded Team Flash why he was an ally and then this episode he started like I want this for my crew who we don't care about and know nothing about like if he maybe mentioned his boyfriend who we did like marginally care about I would have understood that but like you, you know what I mean <laughs> But like, why why are we supposed to care about a bad guy's crew? You know what I mean? That's not yeah. a that's not character driven. And he 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 went on about his crew before. And I mean, I I clearly Hartley cares about his crew. For a play, the villain has heart. Mm-hmm. Great, but I mean, he cared about Team Flash too, and he turned on them. 
I want more from Hartley. Hartley has more to give and I don't want the current writing of The Flash to ruin a great character from season one. Um, so much about this episode I did like. Like I said, the, the the concept, the team working together, and it was nice to see our old pal, the hotness, and there wasn't one was single... <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, he was in it for the mission, not the money! Oh, um, God. <laughs> he, but he's been one of the cornier villains, and I feel like all the work they did in season eight to make him a more multi-dimensional character was undone in this episode because he very much felt like one dimensional again. Yes, he had heart. Yes, he was like, Barry, you got me out of a tight situation, so I'm going to help you and all that jazz. But the fact that he started falling in love with the fiddler over their joint love of nine inch nails in the middle of a huge, huge showdown. Yeah. Yeah. What? Okay, wait. (laughs) Pause. (laughs) Why does it seem like this episode was all about guest stars? Because it was. It kind of was, yeah. Yeah. Are they any of them coming back or is this their like last appearance? It's kind of set them up to come back because Barry's like Team Flash can't do it alone. We have an army of rogues out there that the Red Death is using. I need my own army of rogues. And they're all like, if you need us, call us. So mm-hmm. I feel like he will call them at some point. I hope he mm-hmm. does. That would be so disappointing if that's the last time we see them. I know. It's just, it was so weird um, how they put Hartley into this because I feel like Prior to seeing him last episode, the last time we saw him, he they had a whole Sleeping Beauty thing where Roderick, uh, I forget the situation was, but Roderick, his boyfriend, was going to die and he was like asleep. Um, mm-hmm. And so Hartley needed to save him. And they did have a crew because they had a crew of um, yeah. thieves. But when we when they brought him back for, for this final season, it didn't seem like they were still committing crimes. They were running yeah. a club. So it... If he was like, for my crew, I was like, but y'all are just running a bar. What did they need it for? He's like, my gauntlets are going to be super powered. I'm tired of hearing about those gauntlets. I understand. It's how he does his thing. But he just, he said it like four different times. And I was like, you get it. You need the the piece of technology to be able to power up your, your gloves. But I just feel like they could have made the rogues his people. So that way it made sense for his crew to to not really coincide with what Barry wanted to do. I also felt like I didn't like how all of them turned on him. I felt like Jacko, the hotness should have stayed on Barry's side, considering the fact that, Reed, I don't know if you remember, but Jacko melted somebody's bones. Like he killed somebody. The hotness, the hotness, yeah. He killed somebody in the, the episode he was in um, last season. And he he's not in jail. He was working at Jitters. And he also beat a different rap. And I was like, why? out, out of all people, you should have stayed on Barry's side mm-hmm. because he's the one who kept you out of jail for murder. But, but he was like, you don't believe it. You don't trust us. It's like, you killed someone, hotness. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like the, the, the trust only goes so far. But but the same thing happened with Chilblain too. Chilblain killed somebody and Team Flash didn't care. So I just don't know what t- um, Team Flash's morality is right these days. And- don't get me wrong. Just quickly, just quickly to recap the plot, Reed. Then they knew the the new they knew the new rogues were going to steal <laughs> something. Um, so Barry needed his own team of rogues to steal something back because they had meta dampeners at the location, so the Flash couldn't speed in and speed out because his powers would be dampened. So we needed a team of meta or a team of bad guys to help him break in. That's where Hartley and the rogues came in. Um, the problem was Barry didn't trust them because they were villains. And I mean, apart apart from Hartley, who again was acting out of character, 
None of these people gave him any reason to trust them. Why did Barry feel the need that he had to act like he trusted them? Because he was hard on himself that he didn't trust them. Like they're literally bad guys who do bad things. Why would you trust them? So when they went off and did their own thing and said, we're going to save the day and steal this machine for you instead, but you can't be part of it. Barry felt guilty because he didn't trust them. And again, bad guys, why would you? So in order to earn their trust, Barry was like, I'm the Flash. And like, why would you tell these villains you're the Flash? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, of course, Hartley knew and Shelby knew that was fine. But Goldface, Goldface, who when we last saw, held all of Central City's PD hostage, threatened to blow people's heads off, literally almost blew the place up. Why would you tell Goldface you're the Flash? You know what I mean? Because like after this is over, he he could use that against you. Um, so I didn't. I, and then of course the hotness, the hotness, the one-dimensional hotness. Knew Barry was the Flash because Barry and the Flash have the same coffee order of jitters. <laughs> <laughs> like it must be intricate. It must be an intricate order because that that through line just was not there. <laughs> it's just like an Americano with two sugars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's like, immediately, that has to be the flash. Has to be. And it's like, okay, hotness. But I think the other, I wish I could have been able to lean into the ridiculousness of this plot because I mean, it truly was. So I mean, the thing, the techno- the piece of technology they need is to create a cosmic treadmill. Treadmill. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, a cosmic treadmill, because that's going to send them back in time. Um, and as the, I was trying to just accept that plot for what it was. Uh, I know it's a part of the Red Death um, storyline, so I'm sure they're going to work in some type of backstory there. But I just, this could have been a really fun heist episode with ridiculousness and letting Grant lean into his comedic timing, because he's great at that. And instead, it really was... Barry's like, I'm supposed to be leading them. I was like, first of all, they don't know that two, only two of them know that you're the Flash. And I don't know why they thought, like, they truly entertained taking you on this heist, um, but they did. Um, and then second of all, I don't, why were we surprised at the betrayals? Um, they, Chilblain betrayed him because apparently he's been working with the, the benefactor, the person who wants the piece of technology read. And I was like, we saw that one coming a mile away. Chil, Chilblain's still mad about the machine being broken and the fact that he can't get Frost back. And weirdly, he told Barry basically that he knows nothing about loss. And I was like, Barry's lost nearly every person that he loves. So yeah. he's not going like to say the two. And, the, and the, he wasn't allowed to push back on it. It's just something that Mark got to say. Um, and I was like, no, he has a, he has lost people that he loved. I just don't, but whatever. This, this has been a struggle season and we're only in episode three. What was Iris up to? Working with Barry and doing absolutely nothing else but that. It's just, cool. Yeah, I'm, I love the, <laughs> I, yeah, um, I love the fact that we have her back at the forefront of the show so that they're not separate. But I think we're risking going back into season four territory there where they didn't want to bother with a reporter arc. So just lumped her in with the Team Flash stuff. And like, I love Iris and she was a great leader of Team Flash, but we did not need her to be the leader of Team Flash for a whole season when she could have been writing stories. So I don't want us to go back there. And then they had this interesting thing where she was afraid, she's afraid that she'll not get to break one more big story before she becomes a mom. And I do appreciate the idea of having the natural conflict in there that you're going to have less time when you become a parent. That was fine, but it feels like it came out of nowhere and that Iris suddenly has this fear that the life as she knows it will be over when she becomes a parent. And again, that's a great storyline on paper, but why are we only hearing about it now? But doesn't she know what her future looks like? She does, and that's the thing that was irritating about that that scene. It's 
Grant and Candace hit it out of the park. It was Incredible very, scene, yeah. Um, it was a very like emotionally driven scene, and it would have worked if Iris didn't already know what happens in 2049 and know the tidbits of what happened in the roadmap that Barry had had made. She knows she's getting two Pulitzers. She's clearly not getting two Pulitzers in nine months. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> like, so the, the idea that she was like, oh, um, I, I become a mom, that's going to become my identity, and I'm not going to have time for my legacy, and what I want to give back, the things that I want to work on, like, I understood that perspective, I didn't understand that perspective in the context of what Iris is supposed to already know, especially when after she vents, and Barry reassures her she <clears throat> has time, he then says, remember, you have two Pulitzers. I was like, well, why would he remember that and she not remember that? Like, that's just odd. Yeah. It's like they're trying to challenge the timeline with the whole, like, we can do whatever we want. Because then Iris, or was it Barry or Iris, like, maybe three Pulitzers? Because they know the outline is there, but they want to change it, which is completely contradictory of everything we've learned about the Flash up until this point. You should not mess with the timeline. You should not know what's coming in the future. But, I mean, like, we'll roll with it and see where it goes. Um. Yeah, I appreciated the scene because of the performances, but some of the storyline wasn't storylining leading up mm -hmm. to that point for me. Um, yeah, but there's a, there's a, there's glimpses of greatness in there, just like the episode, but it all didn't come together for me. The ending, however, is probably I heard the best. The grapevine that Javicia showed up. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, How did you guys like that? Amazingness! <laughs> it's so good to see her. Um, I mean, we knew that she was coming. I didn't think we were going to get uh, the reveal of, of her alt self. Um, but I, once we saw the picture of her on the screen, I figured we were going to get what she looks like as Red Death. And we did. And I cannot wait for this arc to truly kick off and we get to see her act and say more things than I am vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is oh. the Red Death like her... I saw a recap about like her showing up and I tried to read it and understand, but naturally I did not. Um, is this, is she like, is the red death Batwoman? Is um, that a dumb question? No, no, it's not. I feel like it's supposed to be, we don't know. This is the, they're probably going to dance over this because they don't want to tell the story, but we think it's supposed to be a doppelganger from an alternate universe or her of from course. the future or her from the future. Um, even though crisis established the doppelgangers can't exist on the same universe anymore. So um, uh, <laughs> there's just so many rules and I just, like, <laughs> could never keep them straight. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, anyway, the th in the comics, Red Death is Batman gone insane who steals the Flash of Speed to kill all his bad guys. In this storyline, it seems to be that Batwoman's gone insane, stole the Flash of Speed, and now wants to take out the Flash for a reason we don't quite know. But anyway, the, the ending of the episode revealed that the benefactor is using Wayne technology, and that, that that's where Iris's arc comes in. She's investigating what does Wayne and Gotham City have to do with all of this. And uh, then in the end, it, they reached out to Luke Fox from Team Batwoman. And uh, he said they have their own issues at the moment because uh, Ryan Wilder went out on patrol three weeks ago and never came back. Um, and I'm like, would Team Flash not have heard that Batwoman was missing by now? Like, it's been three mm -hmm. weeks, y'all. Like, of course, they would have been contacted at this stage. Um, so, and then that cut to the next scene and we find out that the Red Death is in fact an alternate version of Batwoman. So we don't know what's going on yet, but by the sounds of things, the Red Death has kidnapped the real Batwoman to draw the Flash out we think, because the Red Death has a vendetta against the Flash that we don't quite know yet. So lots lots of interesting um, storylines, which I think is probably 
makes me very excited for next week's episode because we have a Red Death two-parter coming up, The Mask of the Red Death part one and part two. So hopefully now if we can stick on this storyline and tell a coherent story, things are good because I'm excited to see Javicia again. There was a lot of grit in that episode and a lot of it had to do with that storyline. So um, I'm still excited for next week, even though I still feel like Again, this episode was like a season one episode on paper, but the execution felt far too season eight to me and it kind of let it down. It did. So perhaps we'll put Keon on the shelf as uh, as well as Telegra, since that oh. seems to have been wrapped up. Leave it on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much going on. There <laughs> is, but like not all of it is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're also sounds done interesting. The, the, it, see, that's the point. <laughs> on the paper, um, it sounds so good. But in execution, no, except for the Red Death plot. And mm-hmm. I guess the Baby Moon plot, which apparently is wrapping up soon since Barry and his lists were, were nearly through it. And they were cooking in Paris, which is so nice. Um, I did like seeing that part of West Allen's relationship. Uh, but uh, the flash is flashing. So we'll see how the final run goes. We'll keep the fifth. Okay, I, I'll try. <laughs> my my bar might be going towards the ground, Michael. I don't know where your where your bar is, but my my expectations they're being managed and they're being managed towards lower them. I'm naively hopeful, and I will be right here at the end. It probably won't work out well for me. It never has, but we'll say. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on to Wendy. <laughs> um, you know, I just love meeting onto the pod and being able to express how amazing Wendy is. So once again, it was a another great episode. This wasn't a heist. It was more of a duping of, mm-hmm. of railroad investors. Uh, and it was just nice seeing the team come up with a plan and execute it to the best of their ability while still being off the wall and a little bonkers as they tried to make this work. It was a lot of fun, I have to say. I thought, I liked the fact that it was kind of like a caper. You know what I mean? Like they all, we get the team back together for something really like, it sounds quirky and like fun, but at the same time, there was a lot of like importance behind it because they were helping Callian. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they needed that kind of like oomph to get them back together because a lot, there's been a lot that's happened since they kind of went their own separate ways. And I'm sure we'll get into it all, but like, the whole uh, 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 Abby and Kate um, awkwardness over, of course, Kate finding Abby with uh, with with Tom the morning after. They needed something like this to to like get the band back together, and I thought it was like adorable that like Height was the one that was like the teams back together because he was kind of like that gruff, uh, reluctant one at the start. Um, yeah, a lot to get into, but I will say I liked the fact that something important got the team back together because uh, I forgot how much I miss seeing them all in the same place at the same time. It's been a while. If I'm being honest, and I know I said this to you guys before, this was probably, for me, one of the weaker episodes. But still, to be fair, even like a mediocre episode of Wind Walker Independence is better than most TV shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was fine with it. It just took me a minute to get like into it because there were so many like dynamics that were frayed and it had a lot of work to do to like between like Kate and Abby and Kate and Kai. There was just so much like unsettled friction that they thrust me into this um duping that I was kind of like oh so we're doing this again already but I mean I was on board I'm always on board with whatever Wendy does but it took me a minute to get into this episode I will I have to admit only honest on this podcast Mm -hmm. I have to say Mm -hmm. only only honesty 
It, well, they were setting up the, we were setting up the pieces of how this was going to go. And I do think you're right about like the, the conflicts that are happening, at least in terms of what's going on with, with Kate's conflicts with Abby and her conflict with Kai, like the two people that she's closest to on the show. She's, she's just not really meshing with them towards the end of the episode. Like some of that is relieved, but when she's like still like in thought about dang Abby was with Tom like it's messing up her ability to work properly and as the Kate I need you to let the Tom thing I get but the Kai thing we're not past it yet can we move past it just a little it's kind of like um glass houses to me Mm. which I think is probably an important thing to know about her characters that she will hold people accountable and maybe not recognize her own faults. So I yeah. guess that's an important mm-hmm. character thing to take note of. But it, as a viewer, it's kind of like, Kate, we need to move forward a little bit, girl. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, to be fair, I totally see your point, Reid, that uh, it felt like this episode took a little while to get going because it had an awful lot of like build up and follow up in the first couple of minutes based on obviously the cliffhanger from the week before. But we didn't even get the, um, not to interrupt you, sorry. Um, oh, we didn't even get the the resolution of Kate catching Abby immediately. Mm-hmm. It took a few scenes to get to that. Exactly. I was like waiting. I was like, wait, that was enormous. And Kate's just like conducting a dance class. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I need something. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that she couldn't concentrate on it she was like Kate who's always got the most composure of everyone was kind of a little bit falling apart she wasn't paying attention to what was going on Kai came in things got worse so I did appreciate that but no I do agree I feel like the caper or the like a plot of the week kind of took center stage this week and that meant that we didn't really get to the really juicy stuff until the back half of the episode which felt like they were dragging their feet even though they were telling a good story it still felt like okay when's this gonna happen when's this gonna happen when are we gonna get here and they did in the end but i know what you mean yeah yeah (laughs) it was just an interesting like um juxtaposition of what we were kind of expecting because windy's always Mm -hmm. intense and this was a bit more fun and playful than we were kind of expecting Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like you're right they were dragging their feet it also felt like they were they wanted us to keep popping in with Tom and, and Shane in this torture scene, my goodness. Um, as we were doing like fun, light and um trying to help Callie and while also dealing with a very racist um investor. Uh in learning certain different character beats, like that they, they leaned more into Kate being fluid in her gender. Um she got to pretend to be Parker and someone who who of not notoriety because that if, if she had been famous that person would have known that that's not the Parker you're supposed to be sitting with but someone who has influence and power and she does have that in independence but it's not the same thing as being able to control the direction of where a railroad goes but even while I was enjoying all of that I was like when is the t- who's gonna find Tom in Shane because this is some mess in mm. this in this barn oh that cliffhanger Oh, <laughs> I had no idea where it was going to go until they pulled back and we just heard the gunshots. Gus mm. oh better be fine. I mean, I'm sure he's fine, but Gus better be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like he is. I feel like that he was shooting, right? Well, it's two gunshots, so he could have shot and then Shane or Tom shot. So I think there was two flashes, wasn't there? It might have been three. Might have been three. Mm. 
I don't know. That's the intensity we're talking about. From yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Forget everything else I thought about this episode. This was great. <laughs> well, there's that intensity. And then there's, as that's happening, Abby, who had decided she was going to trust Tom, finds Liam's journal. Mm-hmm. And that, that trust immediately has to go out the window. And I was like, well, Abby, girl, that's why one night during the storm shouldn't have been your you know Tom probably a good guy <laughs> <laughs> and I did say when she started doubting the fact whether Tom did it that it could have been Shane that it felt like I was a bit disappointed because I was worried this was just going to be like a red herring but since then they've done an awful lot of work to convince us otherwise is this the moment where we go back to yeah it was Tom all along or is Shane really the worst of the two they've done a good job in a very short amount of time because I was worried it was going to be a one and done thing very predictable there wasn't anything like that now we're really what's going on in independence at this moment we don't really know and I think that was very effective no one knows well maybe Kai knows a little though because he went off on Kate when he found out what they had done uh, to redirect the railroad and I'm like are we gonna see the tongue before the end of um the season because we haven't we only saw Lily we haven't actually seen in I guess some some of their mobster men who came to attack but we actually haven't seen their leaders I was like who's gonna roll up in town because I want to know why Kai is so scared that we are like pushing chairs over and screaming <laughs> at, our, <laughs> at our closest friend it's gotten very big all of a sudden hasn't it because Wendy was very much a personal story and now suddenly there's all these like life or death stakes that not just in regards to Abby and Tom but the whole town and it, it feels like we're close to a season finale and not, not to shade the Winchesters, but I think that's that's the exact opposite here. Well, it feels like it's kind of dragging its feet a little bit. I know Wendy did in this episode, but generally where the story feels at in Wendy now, it feels like we're on the cusp of a huge, like explosive showdown. Who knows what that's going to look like? And then because we still have one more episode to go before the finale. So anything can happen in independence. But yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm 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 so thrilled and excited for what comes next because genuinely we don't know. Remember when critics reviewed the pilot and they're like, How is this going to be a full show? (laughs) (laughs) That's all I gotta say. (laughs) It's just wow, proving everybody wrong. Okay, what else about Wendy before we hop to Horseshoe Bay, which is, again, another show that's amazing. Can we just go to Nancy? We can go to Nancy. <laughs> We're chopping well, at the bed here. <laughs> yeah, so, like, episode 15, which um, if y'all who are on our Nancy journey with us didn't know, we've actually already seen this episode. We saw it out of context when we were preparing for Tom Swift and seeing it in context. I want to take all of our temperatures. How did you feel with the in-context watch? I loved this episode so much like I saw it through different eyes I like and knowing now knowing Tom fully it's it just gave me a different um feeling about seeing him again like I just cared so much about him and I loved the way that his dynamic with the whole Drew crew with the team especially with Nancy they were like they could have been besties if Tom like came back which i'm gonna campaign i want him to come back in the final season desperately i don't care if it doesn't fit into this Mm -hmm. final season plot like i just want to see tom again and i know like the ending of tom swift they're not even on the same timeline so he could still come back because i know the ending of tom swift was like a lot for him to like Mm -hmm. come back and deal with all of that but like i just want to see him again he was so much fun in the show um but i thought the seeing his world come into horseshoe bay 
and seeing their reactions to like science where they're all like spooky and supernatural was so much fun to give them like a kind of like people are constantly looking at them like what is going on with you guys and they were doing that with tom with all of his gadgets and barclay <laughs> and everything and it was so it was a different layer of uh of like comedy it just mixed up the world and it was ugh, i loved it yeah, it very much felt a bit like a superhero show because I feel like Nancy follows the same kind of procedural format that like the Flash would, but the one area it never really leans into is the like technological mumbo jumbo and seeing Tom there with his like nanotechnology and all of that to solve these problems. It very much felt like that. But yeah, it was so interesting to revisit because obviously great seeing Tom again. It was wonderful to see him. Um, but on the other hand, this episode is just like an unusual standalone quality that it was so easily approachable for us back then that you could just dive right into the story but now watching it with the context you're like hold on a minute all this stuff with nancy and the hudsons is going on in the background never really came to the forefront so it was pretty apt that we watched the two of them to this and the next one together because it very we always do this every time we do a double feature it feels like that was part one and part two and that very much felt like that but we'll get to episode 16 shortly but this was such an interesting example because they had they had that like standalone little adventure in the middle but at the same time there was so much storyline there that we didn't really understand the first time around. And now you can appreciate, you can see the conflict that Nancy feels over being a Hudson and a Drew. And it kind of worked really well with Tom. And it's so interesting to watch it back now to see Tom again, because even though that was his first appearance in the Drew universe, it felt like to us, like we were catching up with an old friend because it was kind of out of its own timeline. And I just wanted to say how wonderful that was because I do, I miss Tom Swift a lot. And I don't think I really realized that until we saw just how like, vibrant and energetic and how he just so much up fun exactly it's just fun <laughs> no one has fun anymore <laughs> uh, no i miss tom a lot while watching this episode yeah. i just i hate that we don't have a season two for him i he uh i did we watch our review of um this episode <laughs> two basically said the same things she had said before so it's like really great <laughs> down to the like like the difference between the technology and the supernatural and how that was clashing and um how they were all surprised by each other and michael you did say that it was like a superhero oh did show. i you <laughs> said it's like a mix of different genres um personally for me this is my least favorite nancy drew episode which is saying something because that's like what you were saying, read with Wendy, like a, a slower Nancy episode is like still better than anything else. Well, a lot of different things on television. For me, it's just, I loved all the Tom stuff. Um, the fans and stuff was bringing me down, but like the Tom stuff. I liked it. <laughs> that's, that's where we, we differ. But the Tom stuff, um, I just, you could see how well he fits into um this universe in yeah. um but still doing his own thing and I liked that Nancy got another person to have a different dynamic with and that he was someone with an outside perspective on what's going on uh with her in because he comes from that world of like you do have to wear armor like you do have to protect who you are in these circles and he teaches her that and she you know helps him get to a point where he's going to talk to his father spoiler alert for tom swift y'all his father is i don't like that man i don't think no. but we don't like him um seeing this in context now knowing what happens in tom swift i like him even less mm -hmm. uh but tom is amazing because despite all of that he's always looking for something that's going to further 
his legacy and his father's legacy and to be able to reach for the stars. I mean, literally, he is on a mission to find a meteorite that's going to help his dad get to Saturn. Like, it's just, um, his, Tom has such a big heart um, and a fierce wit and great fashion sense. And it's just, CW made a mistake by canceling Tom Swift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they should have just kept him and promoted that show. Uh, but just to get to the fans in real quick, I didn't like it because it felt out of place and felt like something that should have happened earlier. Yeah, I can see that. But it was like the first time that I had watched some, like a storyline for them that felt really like organic and natural and I really enjoyed watching it toward the end it got kind of like yeah okay I understand I get it I got I got what you were trying to do um like you can see the lesson but I I don't know I like seeing them vulnerable having those conversations like they can really understand each other on a different level now um I just really enjoy anytime Nick gets really vulnerable and personal like that I just I love it I love him and Mm -hmm. I love hearing his perspective and him stepping into his own I, I don't know he's just coming into his own I think in this group where he can bring his perspective forward and seeing him with Tom I love that too yes and I loved uh, I can't gush enough about how much I love these writers and these characters because seeing Nick not be toxic about their kiss mm-hmm. like if this had happened in like the 2000s he would have been like Ugh, and like they didn't like that's not even a thought in any of these characters minds and for me, that's just really heartwarming to see how that there is growth in this kind of storytelling. There is a storytelling where that doesn't have to be like a joke, mm-hmm. like right. Like Nick is being a really good friend, and uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know what else to say. But I just I really loved that scene too. And once again, just being reminded that Nick and Ace are two of the best male characters <laughs> that <laughs> television may have ever seen. <laughs> Salt of the earth. Um, no, I agree. I thought they handled some of the storylines really well. I do. I I understand where you're coming from, Sabrina, because I worry you know, sometimes when the CW shows can try to to tackle a lesson or a serious storyline, the thing that lets it down is that it comes out of nowhere. And maybe that's what that felt like, because you thought that Nick and George would have had us had an important conversation like that now. But I do think they handled it well enough. I get I, maybe it's the acting, maybe it was the dialogue or the storylines. But I definitely it was interesting to rewatch it because, again, I start I remember watching it the first time and instantly drawn to the character of Nick because of how well that scene was acted. And it was interesting now to watch it with all those feelings that you have for Nick, because, again, Nick, iconic character, brilliant, brilliant eh, and so easy to root for. And yeah, I really enjoyed the scene. I do get where you're coming from. Sometimes scenes like that can feel like they came come out of nowhere. But again, I thought I thought it was handled well. I really enjoyed it and I really liked it. And it made me care more about Nick and George because they're so stuck in the middle of this like supernatural storyline. They never have any time for each other or for, for serious conversations. So maybe that's why it felt like it came out of nowhere. And then the fact that George got that uh, quirk in at the end when Nick asked her if it was okay that he kissed Tom, she was like, I'm literally sharing my body with a supernatural entity. <laughs> like, I wonder what we thought of that the first time watching that out of context, but now we got it and now we know that. <laughs> I feel like probably confusion, like, excuse me, you're what? Um, <laughs> but like, I think, so for me, the the writing around it for what it was, was fine. It's more so there are two characters that have, are supposedly living together um, and she's never seen him code switch, which is like, you've never, like at all, never, because he mentions his friends and, and of course he's in touch with his family and there are black people in Horsey Bay not as many but he knows some he's been interacting with them so I was like he, he's never 
I've seen it. Okay. Um, and I was like, she doesn't code switch either. I feel like she would, but then I was like, is this a discussion? Am I looking too deeply? Is this like a discussion between um, someone who did not grow up in a predominantly white area who's a person of color and someone who did grow up in a predominantly white area who's a, a person of color? And those are two different living experiences. She would not experience, not just because they're two different races, but she just would not experience the same things that he would. It's not... Him coming to Hershey Bay is a culture shock. She lived her her entire life. It would not be for her. So I was like, I was like, did, what did, what did I want from them? And I think what I wanted from them was to be a more nuanced in it. For yeah, her. I can I agree with you because when they started the storytelling, I was like, oh, I kind of like this. But then where it ended up, kind of with them, it wasn't it wasn't exactly the payoff I was hoping from when where the story started. It was kind of more about them being like, oh, we need to be honest with each other. And I was like, yeah, but I also wanted a little bit more of the conversation they were having. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it ended up being about like, oh, I'm going to post you on social media or like, oh, I'm going to be more honest with you. I was like, okay, but I feel like we can continue the conversation we were having a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, it lost a little bit as it kept going on. And yeah, that's kind of where the episodic problem comes in, because like I said, the stories like that can sometimes pop up out of nowhere, be dealt with in the episode, then never dealt with again. And then that kind of undercuts the importance of it, because I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see them having conversations like that again, unless something else like a plot forces them to. And maybe it would have been a little bit more poignant or meaningful if you got to see them have it all along and get to see them have it after this. But yeah, like Reed said, it was just it was wrapped up in the end of the episode just because Nick got hurt and then that gave them that like, nice moment together where they had that quick conversation and that was that like when you think about it that storyline was handled in maybe what two three scenes and maybe it needed a little bit more room than that to breathe yeah but then also putting it in the context of time which I keep trying to remember that about Nancy Drew they've been together for two months potentially mm -hmm. Yeah, but the, that, the show's time is very confusing to me. It's, it's all over the place. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's the only thing that really um, brought it down for me. I just wanted it to be more nuanced. Other than that, it's a really great, solid episode of Nancy Drew that establishes Tom in a way that makes him feel like he's already a part of this universe um, when he clearly has just walked through the door. I also thought that the they, I love that they did a lower stakes um mission in order to introduce him like it's a mission for him but it also just seeds information for what's going to happen next in nancy drew but that overpowering situation we learn a little bit more about mm -hmm. the women in white um and that the bickerins are actually now the road back and it, it that's us set up what's going to happen as we move forward and also there was time for beanie watch Mm. beanie watch i the whole episode i was like what does this mean this is a whole new <laughs> whole new layer of beanie watch what does it mean why does she have it on it's the black one what does it mean? <laughs> i couldn't figure it out I, I have no real theories i was trying to put it together okay like she does she feel insecure because she's with tom and he's kind of a big personality and he's just as smart as she is does she feel insecure is she is that I, I don't know. Did she just have it on because it was cold at night? Mm -hmm. I was trying. I was trying. And I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what was interesting to me was 
when he said or when they said he has an outfit for every occasion nancy kind of responded by taking the beanie out and like desperately putting it on and it's like is that her outfit is that her like superhero costume is that when she feels most comfortable doing her thing and i was like is that is it, are they kind of her and tom are kind of similar just in different fields because he had his outfit for this scenario was that her outfit for this scenario and like reed said why was it the black one and not the white one was that yeah, the white one her- came off it mm-hmm. did, but that's not her mom's beanie. It's true. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. I mean, he makes that comment about it being from a thrift store. I think it actually is. It's like, Nancy, are we so lost in our identity? We chose none, neither the beanies, neither <laughs> Drew or Hudson. We dug, We went store brand. <laughs> and, yeah, we're, and we're in the confusion beanie era. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't, like, I want to know the meaning of the the beanie maybe there i'm looking too deep into it but i feel like it has something to do with her emotional state like was mm-hmm. she feeling insecure is it her security blanket um i don't i don't her know her armor the beanie has been her armor mm. and, and then tom gives her the balmain dress and that's going to be her i'm a rich person now and um <laughs> her, that dress it's amazing wait should we flow into let's get 16? into 16 because yeah. i'm ready yes <laughs> i mean First of all, I, I really like that they gave us, uh, we got to see the dress um, because they put that coat on and it was done. <laughs> they gave us the um, the moment. But um, as far as the episode goes, my goodness, the fact that it was an episode in which Nancy's racing against her own team to find mm. answers. So well done, chef's kiss. I love angry Nancy. I love her. This is probably way too deep in the episode, but I loved her popping off on them doing her Tyra. I was rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just screaming at them, which was so earned and I I loved it. Um but yeah, they their first mistake was not telling her anything. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to learn by now. You don't keep information from Nancy Drew. You just don't do that. That's something you don't do because she's like she was saying, she's trying to keep everybody alive and she needs to know all the information. You're like, you're not going to outsmart Nancy Drew. You're just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fact that when they were all at the gate and they wouldn't share the information with her and she obviously wouldn't share her information with them, that Nancy went, they, they thought they were uh, they were being better by having um Amanda and get the information with us. Whereas Nancy just got the information from the man at the gate and then strutted mm-hmm. off all like uh, pride of herself and they were kind of in awe of her. But I mean, that kind of just show, showcased the whole episode because they they act wasn't it ryan actually said he thinks they're about a half a step ahead of nancy but she was two or three steps ahead of them the whole time like nancy is so far ahead of them she's in a different area code like (laughs) (laughs) that's you just gotta know that about nancy Nick should have known. I don't know why yeah. <laughs> he was just like we. we can't he's like such this. a dad that he's always like oh i'm doing this to protect her and it's like no 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 if you want to protect her, you keep her in the loop mm-hmm. because by you protecting her, she's going to protect. It's a whole circle of protection that like, if you keep her out of it, it's not good news for anyone. It's not. And it's still, and even when she had to make allowances for the, for the places in which she, they had gotten there first, she was still ahead because even when the reporter comes, she's already done taking the picture of the journal. She just tossed Ooh. it back into the car. Yeah. And <laughs> Did that reveal after? That was so smooth. I was, she was like, now none of us can have it. And, like, yes. Yes. and then when they revealed that she had taken pictures, I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never doubt her. Ever. And yet there was just a lot of doubting in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why. I, um, I get that part of it was because um, 
they don't know where she lands with the Hudson thing, but it's Everett. Like, it was not going to be a situation in which she was going to ever sell them out in a way that would put them in danger. Like, um, so I just don't, I mean, it made for great TV though, for them mm-hmm. to really think that they were ahead of Nancy Drew. Like, no, sirs, no, ma'am. Right? <laughs> Seeing her in that car with her dress on and that with the jacket and just being pissed, yes. I loved it. It was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and it really set. The episode did such a good job. I know the show has done such a good job of setting Everett up as this force to be reckoned with. Because at the end of the day, we're dealing with like supernatural zombies, whatever. And yet this businessman who is in prison for most of the show's run is the big bad. The the season's done such a good job of setting that up. And oh my goodness, the dream sequence at the start, intense, violent, shocking. And then to pivot right to the end, even after we learned all about whatever we'd done, the fact that, nah, the real force to be reckoned here with is Nancy Drew. Incredible like shift of balance right in the last couple of minutes of the episode. Oh, what a sequence. Did you see Ghost Grandma coming? Because I didn't. No. I no. For a minute, I was like, is she... I knew something was up when she let her into the... um, Whatever that dark chamber meat locker was. <laughs> I don't know where they were. <laughs> um, But she kept saying, like, I'm not going to fall into any traps. And I was like, Nancy, you're walking into one willingly. Mm-hmm. Um, But that whole scene was... So, Celia was being so bizarre that I was like, are you, like... I was waiting for her to like peel her face off and it was going to be like Everett or something. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know what was happening. I did not foresee her being a ghost. I know. That was Um, a lot. I was like, not Grandma Celia. Because I thought like her one ally on the Hudson side that wasn't Ryan, like the, the grandmother who really wanted to get to know her. And I was like, can she not have any older women in her life who support her? Like, Can she just not have that? But it was, I know every every pod episode we praise Kennedy, but again, a tour de force episode for her from mm-hmm. the opening to the middle to the end. And that sequence with her and Celia, where she realizes how far ahead of her Everett was and that she was not able to protect everyone that she cares about and the way that she just loses it um is just so amazing. And of course, then it's like, mm, Everett, you've done messed up. Because the one thing you will not do is get ahead of Nancy Drew. And that's why you got tased. <laughs> We're on our way to something Oh, else. that was so juicy. <laughs> she was pissed. And mm. to, to, the, to the level of which it's entered calmness. Like that's mm. when you know we're at scary levels of mad. Because if she's calm while she's mad. Mm. Mm. This, this is like smirk. dark yeah. Nancy in a way that dark Betty on Riverdale. Like that was child's play this is like a a different this is like we're like the eyes are glazed over seeing red nancy's like no no she put a bag (laughs) over that man's head and told yoga to let's go i was like oh i you don't know how desperately i wanted to watch episode 17 i was like where are we going what's happening did she kill him It's so good. But uh, on to circle back to praising Kennedy, there were also so many moments of like lightness to Nancy too. Like Mm -hmm. when she has that lunch with Celia and Celia's like, tell the the yeah the florist and yeah. she was like i'm oh. definitely not going to do that there are so <laughs> many like little like nancyisms thrown in to lighten her up and to show that she's still a little bit playful um i really enjoy that yeah and she does it too um with uh george when she calls to get what the name of the black crown tape is because she doesn't know it yet 
and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. not George sorry uh Bess and she's on the phone with her mm-hmm. and Bess realizes at the end that she just got played Nancy's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good oh it was such a good nancy episode because and we always said that she's kind of like at the center of every storyline at the end of the day she is the title character but like it's it's been a while since it felt like we had like a really like intense nancy driven episode because and, and it, it, the timing was perfect because we said at the end of last episode how she kind of felt like she lost herself so it, it made sense that this was or not the la- last week's episode that we watched um so it made sense and like of course she played a kind of a supporting role to Tom in the previous episode but what a comeback it was as far as like a Nancy driven episode goes and you knew from Kennedy's performance when uh, Nancy woke up from the nightmare in the beginning scene that it was going to be a tense one and it followed through at hook line and sinker from a critical standpoint like the way they've been seeding the storyline through the past episodes even the ones that have been standalone they're really like now it's on an upward trajectory Mm -hmm. which some other shows have not been doing no we're not going to name names but if you you know if you peer through that shade you might know what i was talking about (laughs) (laughs) but like it just feels like like the the gas is turned on like we're pedaled to the metal for the last two episodes of the season like no turning back now and and we're still seated um the picture that her dad took when he turns it over turns over Mm. the board and she's got claw marks on her arm and it's just like we are like speeding towards this finale and there's still so much to uncover and it makes you very excited for what's to happen next. And I too was struggling not to push play. (laughs) (laughs) And there are so many like little things too. Like I was even loving the new dynamic between Nancy and Ryan. I think that was episode Mm -hmm. 15 though. Mm -hmm. Um, When they were, maybe it was 16. I don't know. It was when she was on the phone and he was like, are we talking about our, my love life right Mm -hmm. now? (laughs) Like just like the way that they're finding their footing as like father and daughter is, Mm -hmm. I, I love it. Um, they're just and also like subtle ace things too like with his car and like <laughs> a lot of times he's just like he's just kind of there but he does so much just being there like when he goes to visit amanda's dad in jail like i thought that like he was just sitting there for a while and then like he made his presence known and i don't i just i can never gush enough about the little things in this show yeah and the yes moment not to go back to the previous episode but like when he went up to tom and asked him about his car <laughs> and it was like mine's name florence it came to me in a dream and it was just like <laughs> awkward silence I'm like so weird <laughs> <laughs> like this this was my first impression of as back when we watched that episode and i wish i remembered what i thought but what a genius moment it's just so, so subtle it, and to have that context now of who he is and he's just like He's so brilliant and so yeah. awkward and weird and adorable. And it teaches just a fully rounded character, even in that episode where um, it's not really an ace episode. He keeps popping up to, mm-hmm. to be there for Nancy. And now I understand that <laughs> more because um, I was like, why is ace always lurking while, while something is <laughs> happening with Nancy? Like, oh, because he's like her partner in crime. I get it now. You can't, you didn't, you out of context for episode um. 15 you that's not something that you would understand in context it's mm-hmm. definitely because he knows she's struggling right now and he wants Although to I was be kind of mad at him when he spilled george's secret oh yeah. yeah that was, was very like, easy Ace. though Ace. <laughs> <laughs> but then george like didn't care when Bess brought it up i also um didn't love the base li- base i mean creating a new ship 
best <laughs> um, storyline of just like the dating profile. I was kind of like, like I for comedy and like to keep it light, it was fine. But um, compared to like Feral Bess in in two fifteen, <laughs> and then she's just like have, dealing with her dating profile. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but she's always funny and a delight, no matter what they give her. Yeah, without a doubt. But I and the the moment at the end between her and George was really nice because. George doesn't really do lovey-dovey kind of anything. So that was a really nice moment between the two. But I also then struggled with the fact that did Odette help her write the dating profile or whatever? Yeah, and you're like, was... this is, we're, we're using Odette off screen an awful lot for things that Odette wouldn't do. Um, I know Odette is definitely growing as a character, but like there's, there's no denying the like affection she has for Bass. I know maybe Odette doesn't know what a dating profile is, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that story would have played out differently if they wanted it to play out on screen, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm asking too much, but you get the point. Well, because if it was on screen, it would have been, I guess, Odette picking at George's struggle to write positively in a way that was flowery. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it would have been better if she had said that Nick had helped her. Because mm -hmm. it, it did seem like something that like Nick and her could put together together um not that Odette I guess wouldn't help George it just doesn't feel like Odette's sad about what happened with her lady love so why would she want her the the lady love that she was trying to yeah. um move on with or, or try something with to move on to she's sad and um everybody's moving on so Odette probably would not have helped yeah exactly I don't yeah I mean it was fine but I mean like I hope we didn't know how to feel about that romance and that was a good thing because it made us feel something even though we didn't know what it was. I hope they don't just like drop it now since we're heading towards the finale. There has to be some kind of resolution with that, I feel. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong in wanting that? No, like a goodbye of some kind when they yeah. finally decide to, unless we're with Odette until season three. Who knows? Who knows? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have a lot on their plates for 17, mm. 18. So it might um, have to wait until season three i'm not sure but everything else in the a plot was just delicious i'm very excited Chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. yes i don't know how we're wrapping this up though but we are now on the dark side and it's going to be so much fun can't wait i'm down bring it <laughs> down <laughs> yes because she did say justice she didn't say jail mm, what does yeah. that mean Ooh, i don't know she cooked him okay before we wrap up the pod though we do have um an announcement to make we got superman and lois season three and gotham night screeners so we will do be doing spoiler free reviews in our next pod we're very excited to be returning to the kent farm and to be introduced to the cw's gotham once again um mm -hmm. to see how it differs from the gotham that they'd created in batwoman I can't wait. I like I said this before, superheroes on the CW is my thing. It feels like it's been rough out here. I am taking these episodes. I am going to enjoy the heck out of these episodes and embracing this era while we've still got it. I know. Wow. DC TV <laughs> on the CW <laughs> could be coming to an end. Uh, but we it's it's an era. Uh, so we will have those for reviews up monday after that so it'll be in march yay yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but that is it for this week's pod we are the cw spiral i'm sabrina i'm michael and i'm reed watch nancy mm -hmm. yes bye y'all <laughs> <laughs>